For our scripture reading, I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 13. I'll begin reading at verse 17. Exodus chapter 13, beginning at verse 17. If you're using a pew Bible, that can be found on page 65. We're jumping ahead from last week's sermon, about a, ch- couple chap- a chapter and a half, picking up at chapter 13, verse 17. Let us now hear God's word. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Sukkoth and encamped in Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi-Hahirath, between Migdal and the sea. In front of Baal Zephon, you shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, The mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, What is this we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them and camped at the sea by Pi-Hahirath in front of Baal-Zephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. 
us for the reading of God's word. Let's ask his blessing in a time of prayer. Father in heaven, we ask that you would grant us eyes to see and ears to hear. That you would help us, O Lord, to not only understand the passage of scripture, but to apply this scripture to our lives. That we may see Jesus, even in the Old Testament scriptures, and his glorious redemption. We pray, O Father, that you would bless us in this time as we hear the preaching of the word. May you bless it to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Congregation of Christ, having spared the firstborn of Israel by the blood of a lamb, God's people were sent out of the land in haste. The Egyptians feared that they all might die, as we would read earlier in chapter 12, verse 33. And so they sent, the Egyptians sent the the Israelites out in haste. In addition to the Passover, therefore, the Lord instituted another feast that began on the Passover day, and that is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It's a seven-day feast that started on the day of the Passover feast because in haste they exited Egypt and were unable to eat baked bread made with leaven. And so at chapter 13, the Lord says to them, You shall tell your son on that day, It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And it shall be to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. He brought them out of Egypt in haste. And so they are to celebrate the Passover feast and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Before they exited Egypt, Israel plundered the Egyptians, as Moses commanded them. This too is earlier in chapter 12. And then the Lord leads his people out by their hosts or by their armies, by their divisions, by their clans. And he leads them out to an unexpected place using an unexpected route. Isn't it enough? that the Lord rescues his people from Egypt and they exit Egypt? No. Not enough. God will not only send them out of Egypt, but he's going to deal with Israel's enemies. Pharaoh and the Egyptians. You see, when God saves his people, he saves them completely. He leaves no stone unturned. He deals with his enemies. And so the Red Sea will host or be the venue where there will be a last stand between the Lord God Almighty and Pharaoh. The Lord leads his people to the Red Sea where there will be a last stand. Oh, to have a bird's eye view of what's going on here. If you could only fly a drone from a distance and look down and see this mass amount of people. Earlier, 600,000 men of Israel exited Egypt, not including 
women and children. We're talking maybe a million and a half, two million, some say three million. Let's just say a lot of people. Too many to count from even the sky. But the Lord knows. And to see this raging army come at them. This morning, congregation, the Lord leads His people to the Red Sea. And this evening, the Lord fights for His people at the Red Sea. Or in the midst of the Red Sea. In our passage, we see that the Lord leads His people according to His divine plan. According to His divine plan. At verse, at chapter 14, we read, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi-Hahirath, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal-Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. Earlier, they were, they were going a different route. They wanted to... They were going to go towards the way of the Philistines. Because that was the quickest way to Canaan. It's called the Via Mara, the way of the sea. But at chapter 13, verse 17, we read, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, for God said, Lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. You've heard the saying, do you want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. If you're a military commander and you're like, okay, we're leaving Egypt. Moses probably thinking, let's go the way of the sea. Let's go towards the Philistine territory. But as we see, God gives them his presence. He leads them by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire to lead and guide them. And how does he guide them? He guides them towards, he leads them towards the Red Sea. You see, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. And it was the Lord's purpose and plan to lead his people to the Red Sea on an unexpected route. God didn't want a nation of Two million approximately people to change their mind when they see war and see the Philistine army. But think about it. God could have dealt with the Philistines. God could have told Moses to tell the people, don't worry about the Philistines. I'll take care of them. We're going the easy route. We're going the way of the sea. God doesn't lead us on easy street, does he? He doesn't lead his people on easy street. His plan is to lead his people by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Well, they will be in a position of vulnerability, a position of helplessness, humanly speaking, in a position where they need to put ultimate trust in the God who leads them. They're back to the sea.
They will be cornered, shut in, as Pharaoh observed. By any military standard and strategy, this doesn't make any sense. It isn't rational. It is unwise, humanly speaking. If you ever search military blunders in history, you'll see a number of them. On top of the list was Napoleon's attack against Russia just before winter, where almost over 600,000 men he brought to Russia to fight the, the, the Russian Empire. 500,000 died. Very unwise, dumb move. Humanly speaking, this is unwise. God's plan, however, is perfect and wise and good. What was unknown to his people is ordained by God. Because God sets a trap for his enemy, but also provides a test for his people. A very significant test. God's plan was to lead them to the Red Sea all along, taking them on this unexpected route. Will my people trust me when they have nowhere to go or run? Will they trust me when they are facing the enemies of life? Will they remember that I spared them from the plagues from the death of the firstborn, will they trust me and remember how I led them out of Egypt to begin with? And how I passed over their homes and did not kill their firstborn? Will they remember how I purposed to do all those things to the glory of my name and for the good of my people? Will they remember me well, they remember. God purposed, He planned to harden Pharaoh's heart, and, will, and Pharaoh will say of the people, they are wandering. Look with me in your Bible. Verse 3, chapter 14, verse 3. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering, literally wandering aimlessly. They are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. And so Pharaoh and his servants changed their minds and pursued Israel, taking advantage of their wandering aimlessly. And to punish Israel. What happens? Verses 5 to 9. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, what is this we have done that we have let Israel, from, let Israel go from serving us? They were money makers for Egypt. Their enslavement meant financial means. It meant money. Slavery is about money. It is about money. 
and work and servitude, harsh servitude. So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all, other, all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. Literally, they were going out boldly, confidently. They were confident when they left Egypt. But the Egyptians, verse 9, the Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them and camped at the sea by Pi-Hahirath in front of Baal-Zephon. God leads his people according to his divine plan on an unexpected route to an unexpected place. And there he will demonstrate his glory. He will demonstrate his might. He will show his power. Once again, once again, Egypt will know that he is the Lord and creator. He will show his power and might. He will show his glory. How will he show his glory? He will show his glory in his powerful, powerful works at the Red Sea, as we will see tonight. When you think of God's glory, you think of a manifestation of his character, his power. Think of electronic waves. You can't see electronic waves, but they're all around us. But where do they manifest themselves? If you pull out your smartphone, if you look at your TV, electronical device, you see the manifestation of electronic waves. There, God will show his glory, make it visible in a very real way, a concrete way. Congregation, there's nothing that happens to us. There's nothing that happens to us but what's intended for our good and God's ultimate glory. God leads according to his plan. He leads in your life according to his perfect plan. And it is for our good and his glory, even on those unexpected routes. Think of Romans 8, 28. For Israel, this was the divine plan, an unexpected route that required faith in God's leading. Will you have faith in God's leading against the world, the flesh, and the devil? When you face the enemy, will you trust in God's plan and purposes for you? Secondly, God leads according to his divine presence. And we see this earlier in chapter, or later in chapter 13, verses 20 and following. And they moved on from Sukkoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. The Lord doesn't execute his divine plan without 
leading with His Spirit, His presence. Here you have a visible manifestation of God's presence in the pillar of cloud and fire. This is called a theophany, a God appearance. For example, in the Old Testament, in the Bible, God appears in the form of an angel or angel of the Lord. He appears as a man. He appears as an object like smoke and fire and cloud. The angel of the Lord wrestled with Jacob, and Jacob said, Surely I have seen God face to face. Cloud and fire are symbolic of God's glory in the midst of Israel. His presence is with His people. God leads His people with His presence. Congregation, a true leader does not abandon His people that follow Him. He doesn't leave them vulnerable without being present with them. A leader of a military unit doesn't leave his men behind or abandon them. Later on in the song of Moses, we have Moses calling the Lord a man of war. He is the true leader of the people who will never abandon his people, especially in their most vulnerable position, their helpless position. For 40 years in the wilderness, God did not depart from his people. A pillar of cloud and a fire. His presence here protects and sustains his people on the edge of the wilderness with their backs against the Red Sea. What do we learn about the divine presence? When this passage of scripture, we learn that God The divine presence leads us to the way of salvation. God will lead them to a way of salvation, an unexpected way of salvation. As God's plans unfold, His presence will protect and sustain His people on the edge of the wilderness at the Red Sea. God's divine presence leads us God's divine presence led you to salvation in Christ. God's presence leads you in your way to receive your heavenly inheritance. God's presence is with us always, even to the end of the age. Second, we learn that God's presence, the divine presence, reminds us that He is faithful never to leave or forsake us. This visible manifestation of pillar of cloud and fire was a reminder to the people that He is faithful to be with them, to protect them, to lead them, to guide them. That's why we have this verse in there about the people taking the bones of Joseph back to where his forefathers were buried. Joseph in his day believed God, believed that God would visit the people of Israel in Egypt and rescue them and permit them and and lead them out in this exodus and save them. But when you leave, take my bones with you. There's this understanding of God's faithfulness to his promises, which will be the next point. 
The author of Hebrews writes, By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. On this side of history, congregation, on this side of the cross and resurrection of Jesus, we don't have visible manifestations of God's presence. We have something great and glorious. We have the spirit of the living God in us and among us. Our Lord Jesus leads us by his spirit to the edge of the wilderness and to the Red Sea through faith in Christ. We believe the divine presence will lead us faithfully to the way of salvation. When Satan and the world attack us, his presence protects us, does it not? Does he not? Does he not protect you and guard you and help you in your most vulnerable and helpless position? When you aren't finding that rest, that peace, when you're feeling attacked on every side, perhaps we need to change our prayers a little bit. Perhaps we need to petition God that His Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, would work powerfully in our lives in such a way that we face the enemies boldly. Face the enemies of God and of His people with strong, mature faith. Lord, help me by Your Spirit to press on. Help me by Your Spirit to know, not just know, but to believe with all my heart that You are leading me even in these unexpected circumstances of life. Because I have no control over these things. I have no control. And when you find yourself in a dire situation as the Israelites found themselves in, whose presence will you find most comfort in? The presence of Almighty God, who is with you and in you by faith in Christ. God leads according to His perfect plan, His divine plan. God leads according to the divine presence. God leads, lastly, to according to the divine promise. Moses, who speaks on behalf of God, makes a promise to the fearful people. Remember, look at me at verse 10, chapter 14. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we have said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, 
Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. They trembled at the sight of Pharaoh's great army of 6,000 chariots plus horsemen plus other chariots. And they complained, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? This is interesting because Egypt, the land of Egypt, about two-thirds of it was graves. Tombs. What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? They'd rather be in bondage, go back into slavery, and be treated harshly by the Egyptians. Follow me here. They'd rather go back to that life. Doesn't sin do that? Isn't sin tempting like that? Oh, go back to unbelief. Go back to that sin, that, that other sin. That sin will give you satisfaction. At least you won't die. They'd rather be in bondage than to live free and die. As the Gadsden flag, flag notes... Live free or die? No, I'd rather go back to Egypt and be a slave. Rather be a slave to my enemy. God promises, God promises for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. And so that requires trust. That requires great Faith, not fear. Because Moses commands them. Look with me in your Bible. He says at verse 13, And Moses said to them, to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. Fear not. A negative command. This is actually a rebuke. He's rebuking them for fearing, because fear is unbelief, Christian. Fear is unbelief. No matter how you slice it and dice it, it, bo- it comes down to unbelief. Will I trust God when I face the enemy? Will I f- trust God? Or will I greatly tremble at the face of the enemy and shrink back? Fear not. After the abundance of evidence that God is for you and not against you, after the abundance of evidence that you have seen with your very eyes in Egypt, after all of this, you want to go back. You fear Almighty God, not in terms of reverencing Him, but in terms of the fear that they have towards Pharaoh. They still fear the enemy in the face of danger. Fear not. Stand firm or literally stand still. Take your position. 
Put your feet on the ground, stand up, and face it. Face it in faith. And for us men, man up. Man up in faith. Trust the Lord. Don't be moved. Take action. And I love this. <laughs> you notice how many times you, you observe the word see? See the salvation. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. Fear not. Have faith. Stand firm with your feet on the ground, standing upright, standing strong in the Lord, and watch what he's about to do. Watch. Watch what he's about to do. Watch what he has done. Look at me. If your head is down. Watch what he has done. Fear not. Stand firm. And see the salvation of your Christ. You will see his greatness and it will be recorded in history. Israel will sing of this exodus. Israel will sing of the ten plagues. Israel will sing of the Red Sea in the Psalms. An ever reminder of what God does and has done. It is enough for the Lord to send plagues and humiliate the Egyptian gods and Pharaoh himself, but he, but he will complete the mission and destroy Pharaoh and the Egyptians once for all. It will be the last stand. At the Red Sea, Israel will see the full fury of God's wrath upon the enemies of God. Once again, they will know that he is the Lord and he is on their side. And if God is for us, who can be what? Against us. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how much more will he give you all things? The Red Sea congregation, the Red Sea is a place of death and destruction. The sea is a place of hostility and chaos. Sin brings bondage and slavery, and therefore sin brings death. Sin brings hell. That is the consequences of sin. Trust God and believe the divine promise in your most vulnerable state, your helpless estate. Your helpless estate, most importantly, is sin, death, and hell. How are you going to face that? How are you going to face the Red Sea? How are you going to face the enemies of God? Trust God and believe the divine promise in your most vulnerable state and in the most humanly impossible circumstance. Namely, escape from the enemies of God and Satan's grip. Sin. Spiritually, we find ourselves on the edge of the wilderness with our backs to the sea. There's no escape because we are cornered by our sin and miserable condition. How are you going to get by? How are you going to escape? What's the way out of this predicament? 
It was God's plan to send His Son, Jesus, to lead His people across the Red Sea. In fact, He calls His death, His sacrifice on the cross as the Exodus in Luke chapter 9. I believe it's verse 31, but I have to check. He calls His death the Exodus. And that's how He leads His people according to God's divine plan With the joy set before him, Jesus endured the suffering and shame of the cross so that we, by faith, cross over. That place of death and hell has no power over us. God does something that is humanly impossible and makes it possible by his Spirit. To be pushed into the Red Sea by the Egyptians would mean a great slaughter of God's people and victory for the enemy. But God, who is love and mercy, fights for his people at the Red Sea and in the midst of the Red Sea. And that's where I invite you to come back tonight where we see this battle. By the divine presence... He guides us day and night. By His divine plan, He leads His people. By His divine promise, the Egyptians of that generation will not live to fight another day. By God's divine promise, through Christ Jesus our Lord, and by faith in His name, we see the salvation of our God. And Satan is vanquished. And he has no power over you. He has no power over the grave because Jesus is victor. Jesus is king. He was crucified, dead, and buried, and on the third day, he rose victoriously from the dead. Come and see the salvation of the Lord. Look no further than Jesus Christ and his cross and resurrection. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we're so thankful, oh Lord, that we do not face the enemies of God on our own. We thank you, O Lord, that in our helpless and spiritually vulnerable position, namely that we are dead in our sins and trespasses, that you, O Lord, did the impossible. You sent your Son to pay for the sins of your people, and on the third day you raised him from the dead victoriously. And that through him alone we have life eternal. He faced the enemy face to face at the cross and triumphed over them in the cross. So that through faith in him we have died with Christ and have been raised to new life. 
And we, by the power of your Spirit and your presence in our lives, can meet the daily challenges and trials that we face. For we know, O Lord, that the lion roams around. Satan roams around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But we give thanks and praise to God that we can cast our anxieties upon you for you care for us. And your spirit is with us always, by day and by night. Father, please remove unbelief and fear from us. May we be a faith-filled people who meet and face the daily challenges in the boldness of the Spirit, in confidence in the Christ who paid it all and now reigns victoriously at your right hand. Oh, Father, we pray that you would bless your people and be with us in the remainder of this day and in this evening hours we come back to see how indeed you have fought for your people at the Red Sea and in the midst of the Red Sea you have fought for us and won. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.